Hey, good morning, church. Uh, really good to be here in the house of the Lord with you this morning. If you don't know who I am, I'm Eric. Uh, I'm one of the pastors, and I do have the privilege of kicking us off in our new sermon series, which I am pumped about, okay? You got to buckle up your seatbelts because we're going we're gonna to take you on a little journey, okay? Um, we're starting this sermon series called Eat This Book, and it is our Lent sermon series. Uh, if you don't know what Lent is, it's the 40 days preceding Easter, and this is a time in the church where we intentionally disciple you, and for the last several years, we've been going through the spiritual disciplines. So two years ago, I preached on an overview of all the spiritual disciplines. Uh, last year, we took you through the Sabbath as a spiritual discipline, and this year, we're going to walk you through scripture reading. And I am pumped about this, I'm amped, and I'm, and I'm praying that by the end of this sermon series, if you are not reading your Bibles, I, I'm, this is my prayer is that you'll start reading it. By the end of this sermon series, our hope is that you're equipped to read it, that you're properly reading it, that, and that you will eat from this book. And we'll explain that in a moment why we entitled it as such. Today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to preach from Romans 12, 1 to 2, but I've also included Revelation chapter 10, verses 8 to 11, because we're going to continuously come back to this verse throughout the entirety of these six weeks. And uh, this, but today we're not going to really touch upon it that much, okay? Uh, but I will read from both, uh, and then at the end of it, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. So if, at this time, if you're able, would you rise as we read Revelation 10, 8 to 11, and then we'll look at Romans uh, 12, 1 to 2, okay? Revelation 10, 8 to 11, and then Romans 12, 1 to 2. Uh, this, uh, uh, afterwards, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. If you could respond with thanks be to God, and then I'll seat you after the reading. This is Revelation chapter 10, 8 to 11. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Let's turn over to Romans 12 now. Romans 12, 1, 2, 2. I, this is the Apostle Paul now, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. You can go ahead and be seated. All right, we have three points today. Okay, uh, The first point is called, Eat This Book. The second point is called, Do You Want to Eat This? Okay, And then the third point is the menu, and we're going to talk about what's on the menu for this sermon series, okay? Uh, the first two, we'll, we'll be diving into Romans, and then the last point will be very, very practical, okay? We're going to actually talk about what's going to happen in this sermon series, okay? Uh, so let's dive into our first point, eat this book. Uh, as many of you know, I'm a huge fan of John Mark Comer, who is a pastor and author and theologian, and uh, my wife and I had the privilege of going to uh, one of his book talks. He released a new book called Practicing the Way. You can actually see it's on our bookshelf there, um, and uh, and during this talk, he said something that really stuck with me. Um, and, and I've just been thinking about again and again and again. But he said something to this effect. I don't remember it exactly, but he said something like this. He said, imagine when you were 18 years old 
Or imagine an 18-year-old that you know now who has the rest of their life in front of them, has all these hopes and dreams, right? I've never once heard an 18-year-old say something like this, like, I cannot wait till I become old and bitter and mad at the world. I cannot wait for the day where I cheat on my taxes and I steal money from people or I am just angry all the time. Like, I cannot wait for that day. My goal in life is to be a parent that is constantly at odds with my children. Or my goal in life is to be married to a spouse that I absolutely hate. That we fight and we argue every single day and there is no determining when that end is in mind. No one ever grows up this way. No one ever has these dreams and aspirations. And yet, we meet these people all the time. No one in life ever sets out being like, I'm going to live this kind of... No one. And yet we meet these people on a regular basis. And you might be saying, that, that actually sounds a little bit like me. I hear Christians using this phrase all the time, I'm growing. Or you'll hear other Christians say, are you growing? Or are you in a season of growth? And here, understand this, okay? This is, I understand the, what people are trying to say or what Christians are trying to say. But do you realize that you're always growing? There's never a season of your life where you're not growing. The question is, uh, who are you growing into? Not that if you're growing, you are growing. You're constantly growing, but what are you or who are you growing into? Are you growing into Christ-likeness or into the devil of hell? Because we are all growing. The question is, who are you growing into? No one in life ever sets out to be this mad, bitter person, and yet we end up that way all the time because we're constantly being formed and shaped into people. Listen to what John Mark Comer says in his book, Practicing the Way. He says, we are being either transformed into the love and beauty of Jesus or malformed by the entropy of sin and death. We become, listen to this imagery, we become either agents of God's healing and liberating grace or carriers of the sickness of the world. You either have the virus and you're spreading it around, you're coughing over everyone, or you're doctors, you're healing people. To believe otherwise is an illusion and to give no thought to this becomes dangerously close to wasting your life. Our lives turn out very different from our goals. Let's dive into our passage now. Let's look at the end. Let's look at verse 2. Let's start there, okay? Look at what the Apostle Paul says. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. He uses two words there, conformed and then transformed. Conformed means like a kind of outside-in transformation. Think of a clay that's being shoved into a mold. Okay, this word transformed is the exact opposite. It's an inside out transformation. Think of a butterfly that goes into its cocoon and its very nature is changed. It almost becomes a new species, if you would. It turns from a caterpillar into a butterfly. This word conformed is actually two words in the Greek and it's soon, which is, uh, which is where we get the word like synagogue from or it's, in the Greek it's actually synagogue. Right, which means with or together. And then the second word here is schema, which is where we get the word schematics from, which means like a form or outward appearance. And so what Paul is saying here is he's saying, don't just go together with the outward appearance of the world. Don't just go with the flow. Don't do as the Romans do. Don't, uh, don't just turn off your mind and just go with the flow of things. You and I were taught from a very young age, especially if you're from an immigrant family, you know this. Don't stick out like a sore thumb. Assimilate. 
Be like everybody else. And of course, there is some wisdom to that. You don't want to walk around just being a crazy person, right? So you, you got to conform a little bit. But in another sense, this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying he's warning about this kind of lifestyle where you just conform to everything, where you assimilate. Because he's saying you'll be formed and shaped by simply turning off your mind and going on just like everyone else, and you are growing into a kind of person. And if you're young here today, as you get older and older, you will see yourself turning into this person. You know, think of a plant, right? A plant is always growing as long as it's alive, but as as long as it's growing, it could be growing to the left, it could be growing to the right, it could be growing slanted, right? It's growing, but it's growing in a direction. And same thing with you. The older you get, you're not going to magically turn into this wonderful person. The older and older you get, you will grow more into whatever it is that you're growing into. Listen to uh, what John Mark Comer goes on to say, and um, he's talking about elderly people here, but, but just hear the whole point, okay, because he's not trying to be ageist, and neither am I trying to be ageist, and again, he said this, not me, okay? So if you want to throw stones at anybody, throw stones at him, okay? He says, case in point, elderly people. Most people over the age of 80 are either the best or the worst people you know. Hear me, I do not mean this in an ageist way, just the opposite, in fact. Most 20-somethings I know are just kind of mid, as my teenage kids would say. They aren't saints or potential terrorists. By the way, I had to look up that word mid because I didn't know what that was, actually. I guess it means like either you're like awesome or you're like, you're, you're not awesome, but you're not bad either. You're just somewhere in, in the middle, in the mids, right? So uh, this isn't true, he says, right? They're, they're just normal. This isn't true of most elderly people I know. Run through your mental Rolodex of people past 80, most of them are either the most gracious, happy, grateful, patient, loving, self-giving people you know, just happy to be alive, sitting in the room with you, or the most bitter, manipulative, spiteful people you know, oozing emotional poison into their family lines and reveling in others' pains. Sure, some are in the middle of the bell curve, but most are noticeably to one side. That's because, they, that's because they've spent almost a century becoming a person being formed. So the question again is, who are you growing into? Are you conforming to the patterns of this world? Or as Paul is going to say now in verse 2, or are you being transformed by the renewal of your mind? This word transformed is the Greek word metamorphomai, which is where we get metamorphosis, right? It's, a, it's an inside inner nature change, it's a, it's a change that comes from the inside, and it changes your whole character, your whole nature. You become a new species of person because of the transformation that happens. And he says that this kind of transformation happens through the renewal of your mind. And so what is this renewal? Let's look at verse 1. Let's look at the beginning now. Paul says this, I appeal, so I beg of you, I beg you, please, he says, to therefore, that's a huge therefore, we'll talk about that in a moment, By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That word, therefore, always, if you ever see that in Scripture, it connects you to the previous passage. However, in this case, in Romans, it doesn't just connect you to the previous passage. It connects you to the whole argument that Paul is making from Romans 1 to 11. Remember, we're in chapter 12 now. So everything he says in Romans 1 to 11, he says, therefore, because of all of that stuff I just said, Present your bodies as living sacrifices. And he summarizes everything he says in Romans 1 to 11 by calling it the mercies of God. So let's recap. What happens in Romans 1 to 11? Well, I'll, I'll simply summarize it for you. If, you. if you have read through the book of Romans, he talks about Adam from Scripture. 
He talks about Abraham from Scripture. He talks about the Israelites from Scripture. And he says all of these things that are talked about in Scripture have their climax somewhere. And the climax is found ultimately in this person named Jesus Christ, who was God, came down in human form, died for us the death that we should have died, and lived the life we we should have lived, and ultimately rose again from the grave. In other words, let me summarize it like this. It's the love of Christ revealed to us in the scriptures. He says, renew your minds with this truth. The love of Christ revealed to us in the scriptures. And this is why we are entitling this book, uh, this series, Eat This Book. I stole this uh, uh, title from an author named Eugene Peterson, who uh, translated the message version of the Bible. And he is a Presbyterian pastor, author, theologian, but also just a linguistic genius. Um, And and he, he wrote a book called Eat This Book. And as I was contemplating the different titles, my first title that I came up with was a title called Knowing Scripture. And I also got this from another book by a guy named R.C. Sproul, who I also commend to you, a great author, a great pastor, another Presbyterian pastor. But I thought, that's not what this sermon series is about. As, don't get me wrong, knowing Scripture is great, and that is the first step, and we will teach you how to know Scripture. But that's just level one. It's not just simply knowing Scripture, it's eating it so it gets d- deep down into your soul so that you can present your whole bodies as living sacrifices to God. See that it's not just about knowing it mentally, but allowing that, that knowing to move into your heart, into your body, into your mind, into your soul, into every facet of what it means to be human, so that it transforms your very nature. This is why we've entitled it, Eat This Book. We want to get this deep down because there is a difference between simply knowing Scripture and eating this book. You know, I don't like to speak of the dead, but... Um, As Christians, we have to confront the brutal realities of our faith in order to learn, in order to grow. And so I don't like talking about the dead, but I'm going to talk about somebody right now. But it's not to speak ill of them or something like that, but really it's to look at and to confront the brutal facts of our faith. As you know, there was a a pastor, evangelist, apologist, author. I mean, he was just uh, everywhere. His name was Ravi Zacharias. And around uh, 2019 or so, he, was, uh, he had cancer and he was uh, going to pass away from cancer. And about 2020, he passed away. And right after he passed away, to make a very long story short, there were so many evils unearthed about this particular man. Now, mind you, Ravi Zacharias is somebody that I respected, I loved. I mean, I, I, I didn't read any of his books, but I listened to like at least 200 of his YouTube like videos. I think I've watched every single YouTube video there is on Ravi Zacharias. And during my deep uh, moments of doubt and, 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 and darkness, like I would watch Ravi and I'd be so encouraged. In fact, I picked up this guy's book that I would have never picked up called, uh, uh, his name is David Berlinski. And he wrote this book about how he believes that the devil is real. And so I picked up this book because Ravi, you know, Ravi talked about it. He influenced me so much. And shortly after his death, all of this stuff came out and it was probably one of the darkest evil things that I could probably think about. One of the many things that Ravi uh, had done is he received and solicited uh, sexually explicit photos from over 200 women in their early 20s, uh, which, were, uh, which, uh, which, by the way, like literally months before his death, he was still receiving these kinds of photos. In addition, he, uh, he used uh, uh, dedicated funds that were earmarked for humanitarian efforts to pay for massage therapists, providing them housing, schooling, monthly support for extended periods of time. And I don't think I have to go into details about those things, but that's just scratching the surface of the things that he did. 
And man, I, I, I have to tell you, like, I went through this whirlwind. I, I went through this spiral. I was like, man, God, why? Why did, why did you allow this to happen? What, why? And, and over time, as I began processing this, I, I came upon a few conclusions, but one of the big conclusions is this, and it'll be up here on the screens for you. You can know scripture, but have an unchanged heart. If you know anything about Ravi's ministry, I mean, that guy was intelligent. He knew his Bible inside and out, and yet his heart was unchanged. His heart was unmoved. And look, I don't just say this pointing a finger at Ravi Zacharias. I, I know that there are three fingers pointing right back at me. I mean, friends, I, I do this for a living. I, have to, I read the Bible every day for a living. And there are times where I misread the Bible because I'll, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when I read the Bible and I'm preparing sermons, I'm not reading it to get something from it. I'm reading it so that I can make a point to you so you can know how smart I am. Oh, I want to make a great point to these people, Lord. Give me a point to make. And this is why, even for me, I, I'm still unchanged and transformed at times. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, man, I, I don't just yell at my wife. I scream at my wife at times. I don't just yell at my kids. I scream at my kids at times. That The people closest to me get my harshest wrath. And it's because there's a difference between knowing Scripture and eating it. Eating it is getting it deep down into your body, into your soul, so that as Paul says in verse 1, you and I can present our bodies not just our minds, our bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord, which is our spiritual worship. This is the kind of scripture reading that I want us to explore over these next six weeks. This is the kind of scripture reading that I want to teach you over these six weeks because as the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8, knowledge puffs up while love builds up. I want us to read scripture with loving hearts. Look, we won't study Revelation 10 fully today, but I want to include it in today's scripture reading again because we'll come back to it again and again. But I want you to notice what John does. The, 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 the angel doesn't tell him, read the scroll, but there are parts of Revelation where he says, hey, who's going to open the scroll and read it? But he tells John, come and get the scroll and eat it. Before you prophesy, before you preach, before you tell people about my words, I want you to eat this scroll. And what he's getting at is he wants this word to get deep down inside of John's body, not just in his mind. He wants it down into his very soul and into his very life. In Ezekiel 3, I think we'll cover this next week, the same is told of Ezekiel. He tells Ezekiel, come, eat the scroll before you prophesy to these people. I want it to go deep down into your body, into the depths of who you are. This leads us to our second point. Do you want to eat this? How do we eat scripture this way? How do we eat it this way, Eric? You know, how, how are we going to read Scripture this way? Before we get there, we'll get there in point three, but let me answer another question here, okay? Or let me pose another question to you, okay? Do you want this? Do you even want this? Let me explain, okay? I'll come back to this question in a moment, but let me go on in our passage and I'll bring it back, okay? Look what Paul goes on to say in verse two. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I want you to see what Douglas Moo says about this particular passage or about this particular verse, okay? He says, Paul's vision to which he calls us is of Christians whose minds are so thoroughly renewed that we know from within almost instinctively what we are to do to please God in any given situation. Here's my paraphrase of their commentary, Okay. I think what Douglas Moo, I think what Paul is trying to get at is this. 
that by the of course you will hear God's voice from scripture you will be able to read the very words of God but once scripture is done with you and once you are transformed by it by the renewal of your minds you'll actually be able to hear God in an ever present way every single day in all of your decisions you'll be able to hear the voice of God in other words not in an audible way maybe that might happen for you but in a way that's so instinctive to who you are because you're hearing the Father's voice, not just as you read, but in every situation of your life. Here's an illustration that I came up with, but imagine with me that you wanted to speak to a bird. What would you have to do? Imagine if you had all the powers in the world. Well, I'll tell you what I would do. I would turn this bird into a human being. I would change the very essence of what they are. I would make them become the species like I am, and then I could start to speak to them. In the same way, I think this is what Paul is getting at. As you are transformed by the renewal of your mind, you become a new species of person, a a person who is more Christ-like, and as you become more Christ-like, you will actually hear from Christ. You want to hear Christ's voice in your life, loud and clear. Have you heard Christ's voice in your life? Have you heard the Father's voice, or have you been deaf all along, church? Because here's what I'm going to contend. If you've been deaf and you've never heard Jesus' voice, what I'm going to contend is this, that Jesus' voice is going to jack you up. That is the most theological term I could use at this point. It is going to jack you up. I want you to look at this video, okay? There's a girl named Brianna who was born deaf, and she's never heard her mother's voice until this video. They put something called a cochlear implant in her, and so because of this implant, she's now able to hear, and this is the first time that she's going to hear her mother's voice. Take a look. Okay. Ready? Here we go. I'm going to turn it up a little bit more. All right. How does it sound now? Good. Is it sounding better? Can you hear my voice now? <laughs> yeah. What about mom's voice? Can you hear my voice? Yes. <laughs> Have you heard the father's voice? The Father's voice is going to mess you up, church. You know what's interesting is in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter says this really interesting thing. He's like, hey, like, guys, do you understand? Like, I was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. Do you remember that? When, like, Jesus turned into his glorious body, Elijah, Moses was standing there. He's like, I saw that. But he's saying, I, I, I have something for you that's even better than that. I have something better than the audible voice of God, even an image of God itself. He's saying that the scriptures itself are more fully confirmed, he says. And he says, you have the writings of Paul, because at that point, Paul was already writing stuff, and they had already been reading it in the church. And he's saying, you have the writings of Paul. You have the scriptures before you. Have you heard the voice of God? This is a way to eat scripture that will allow you to hear in powerful ways the Father himself speaking to you. Not Eric, no, right? I can preach a sermon to you, but when you hear God himself, it'll be undeniable to you. In John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If you know his voice, you will follow him. And church, do you want to follow him? Do you want to hear his voice? 
you will hear the Father's I love you. You'll hear the Father speaking identity, your, the truth of your identity into your very beings that will shape you. But do you know what you will also hear from the Father? Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Do you want to hear that voice? Do you want to hear the Father saying, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me? Do you want this? Do you guys remember the story of the rich young ruler? What's interesting, fascinating about the young, young rich ruler story is at the beginning of the story, you don't know anything about him, actually. And Matthew just says this man comes up to Jesus. But as the story goes on and it progresses, you start to learn more and more and more about this man. And what you initially find out about this man is that he wants eternal life. He wants to be with Jesus. And so he comes to him. And yet the end of the story looks like this. Look with me at verse 21 to verse uh, 22. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and, what, uh, and you will have treasure in heaven. You'll have eternal life. And listen to what he says, come follow me. Three words in the Bible that are the clearest commands in all of scripture. Come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for what? He had great possessions. Three simple words. If you read the Gospel of Matthew up until this point, what's very clear is that every time Jesus calls a disciple, whenever he calls Matthew the tax collector, when he calls Simon, when he calls Andrew, when he calls James, when he calls John, do you know what he uses, the phrase he uses again and again? He says, follow me. He says, come, follow me. So you know what he's saying to this young man? He's saying, I want you to be the 13th disciple. That's what I think he's saying. In fact, after Judas Iscariot betrays him, I wonder if this guy was supposed to be the guy who fills in Judas Iscariot's place. And yet what happens? He says, no, thank you, Jesus. I actually like my life as it is right now. I don't want you to jack it up. And so he walks away, but he walks away sorrowful. For what? He had great possessions. If you actually eat scripture, you will transform. And church, here's the point. You will give away your money. I'm not just saying that as symbolic. I'm actually saying that. There are going to be times in your life where, the, where Jesus comes to you and he's going to tell you, give your money away. You will be poorer. He will, take, he will ask you to sacrifice your comforts, your personal time, your video gaming time, your social media time, your online shopping time. You will give up stuff. It will cost you something. So ask yourself, do you want this? Jesus tells you to count the cost. Hey, do you not want to hear my voice or do you want this? You will end up living an incredibly full life because you will be with the Father. He will speak his love into you. And so in that sense, yes, it will be a full, full life. But count the cost, church. Because if you read scripture, if you eat scripture this way, your life will be changed, and you will have to say to the Father, yes, I will obey. Look, as a side note, do you know what makes you spiritually deaf to the Father's voice? It's wealth. Pastor Clara talked about this last week, Laodicea, the church. Remember the, the, the church, what, what did you say? You're, you're, you're poor, you're blind, your senses are not working the image that comes to my mind is like almost like think of a person who has cash just coming out of their ears. It's all plugged up. They can't hear anything. This leads us to the third and final point, the menu. How do we eat scripture? How do we read scripture in a deep, transformative way? How do we eat this book? Now, here's the answer, okay? Lean in. 
Okay? Here's the answer. You're going to have to come back week after week to find out, okay? That's the, that's the plug, okay? You've got to come back, okay? For the next six weeks, you've got to come back. Uh, and over time, our hope is to kind of unravel this one by one, okay? Uh, and so we encourage you to make Sundays uh, a time where you're learning, okay, where you're growing in this. But let me do this in this point, okay? Uh, let, me, let me paint for you a little roadmap where we're going. Let me tell you about some of the resources that you will have at your disposal. And then let me kind of give you a little Costco sample, if you would, okay? I'll give you a little sample about what we're going to be talking about throughout this time together, okay? So let's look first at the sermon series, okay? Over the next six weeks, these are the things that we're going to be talking about, okay? This week, we're talking about spiritual formation. How are you actually formed? How are you actually growing, okay? Uh, the second week, we're going to be, next week, we're going to be talking about the nature of truth, right? We talked about this idea that it's sour, it's bitter, it turns in your stomach, but it's also sweet as honey. And so we're going to talk about the nature of truth next week. In week three, we're going to teach you now the how-tos, okay? How to read the Bible with your heart, okay? Eating with your heart. Week four, we're going to talk about eating with the mind, so how to read with the mind. So that's all of the technical skills that you're going to need, your logic, your reasoning, all that stuff, Okay? Week five, we're going to be talking about eating with the will, so how you read the Bible with your obedience. You have to be obedient during this process. You can't just read it and be like, okay, not going to obey. You have to obey it, okay? Uh, And then finally, in week six, we're going to talk about eating with others. And we're not just talking about how to read it in a community context, okay? We're going to be, because, I mean, I don't know if you know this or not, but there were like 2,000 years of Christians that lived before us, and really, really smart people. And so we can read with other saints, okay? Um, so that's where we're going in these next six weeks. In addition, uh, we're putting all of this up on our website, okay? If you go to our website, um, there's a little tab. If you do that pull-down tab, there's a 40-day campaign where all of these sermon series are there, um, all, of the, uh, all of these resources um, will, will be there at your disposal too, okay? Uh, now, if you want that now, you can scan that QR code and it will take you to that page immediately, okay? But here are some resources that we put up on that website, the first one are two books, okay? One is How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee and Douglas Moo. These are two seminary professors who put together a book that's easy for lay people like yourselves to understand, but they're teaching you how to read the Bible as a seminarian. And uh, what's really helpful about this book is we're not going to talk about a lot of the stuff that they talk about in that book, but really what they're trying to do is they're trying to show you that every book of the Bible has a genre. And those genres are, are to be dealt with a little bit differently. So there's narrative there's historical narrative, right? There's poetry, there's wisdom literature, uh, there's the epistles, and we need to approach these books a little bit differently based on their genre. In addition, they talk about things about like translation, which translation of the Bible you should use, et cetera, et cetera, okay? In the second book, we're, we're uh, uh, putting forward a book called Life with God by Richard Foster, and I read this book in, in preparation for these sermons, and this is really the eating with your heart, okay? This is really talking about how do you read scripture in a way that's life transformative, where you can do life with God, okay? And if you don't know Richard Foster, he wrote that great book, Celebration of the Disciplines, uh, a fantastic book on all the disciplines, okay? And then finally, the last resource we want to give to you is the BibleProject.com. It's a website. And uh, Tim Mackey, who heads this whole thing up, is a professor at Western Seminary in Portland, Oregon, and he's a phenomenal professor, okay? And what he's done is he's put together six-minute videos on every book of the Bible, okay? Every book of the Bible, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, six minutes, and it's like beautifully designed, you know, there's all this, you know, anyhow, it's beautiful, okay? Uh, and, and what this does, and this is really helpful in reading scripture because some of you, including myself, right, will start reading Romans from, say, Romans chapter 5, okay? And we have no idea what's gone on before or what's happening after, 
It's like reading Harry Potter, and you're going to pick up Harry Potter and start reading it from chapter 5. You're like, what? What is going on in chapter 5 of Harry Potter? And what this tries to do is it tries to give you a whole summary of the book so that you can dive into it and have a bigger picture. It's like if you watch a movie twice. You start to pick up more things, right? It's the same way. If you kind of understand the whole book, then you'll start to pick up the individual pieces a bit better, okay? So that's at your disposal as well, okay? Here are two last things, okay? Every Saturday morning, okay, we have a prayer service at 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Right after that prayer service at 8.30, okay, we'll give you a little buffer time. At 8.30 a.m., starting this Saturday, February 24th, I'm going to be doing what we call a group Bible training. In other words, I'm going to offer additional coaching in a group context, okay, because I want you to really get this, okay? I really want you to get how to read the Bible, okay? And so we'll be reading through Genesis 1 through 6 as a group. But in that time, as we read it together, my hope is to kind of train you a little bit more to give you more coaching around how to read Scripture. So it's not a Bible study, although we will do that. It is a time to train you to read the Bible well, okay? And then finally, the last thing that we're calling everyone to do in this season is to fast if you're medically able to do so. Fasting is not uh, giving up social media or giving up, like, TV or those types of things, okay? That's just called stopping TV, Stopping social media, okay? Every time the Bible talks about fasting, it always has to do with your stomach, your physical stomach. And so you can give up a food, whether that's uh, fried foods, or you can give up a whole day of eating. But we recommend that you do this on Fridays, okay? Whether you give up a whole day of eating, no food, just water, or uh, you sacrifice some kind of food, whether it's uh, fried foods or fast foods or something that you really enjoy, um, or you can do the whole 40 days, okay? You can, you can fast from that particular food all the 40 days, or you can fast every, uh, for all the 40 days. Maybe just eat one meal a day or something, and then fast 23 hours. Eat one meal a day, fast the whole 23 hours. It's up to you, okay? But the reason why we're encouraging you to fast is because if you're going to eat this book, your, your physical body needs to be hungry so that you can match your spiritual state, right? Your spirit is hungry, And you want your physical body to match that spiritual state so that you are hungry to eat God's word. And so we want to to commend that uh, that other discipline to you of fasting, okay? Now, finally, let me give you the Costco sample, okay? Let me give you the Costco sample we talked about, okay? How do we eat scripture? And here's here's a quick brief answer, and we'll talk about this in week three, okay? It begins with the posture of your heart. How are you coming to scripture? Are you coming to scripture with pride and arrogance? Are you coming to Scripture with humility, ready to be taught by the Master? If you're here on Ash Wednesday, which was this past Wednesday, I talked about this. So if you were here, it's a repeat for you. Um, but if you weren't here, this is new for you. Disciple, this word disciple, every single time it's used in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, do you realize something? It's always in a noun form. It's always a noun. But we as Christians, do you realize we use this word disciple as a verb all the time? Like, who are you discipling? Who's discipling you? We use it as a verb all the time, but this doesn't make any sense. It's like asking somebody, hey, like, are you Christianing somebody? Are you believering somebody? No, you would never, because believers are noun. Disciples are noun. Christians are noun. You, you never use it that way. And here's the, here's the point. You're either a disciple or you're not. You're either a learner. That's what disciple means. You're either a learner or you're not. And this is, I know it sounds like I'm just, you know, doing this little semantics, but listen to what John Mark Comer says about this, okay? One last time here. Hey, look at what he says. I, I love this, okay? He says, people have come to me bitter because their former pastors did not disciple them. They use it in a verb form. 
What they usually mean is that these pastors didn't spend one-on-one time with them. While I'm all for pastors giving their time to foster people's growth in Jesus, I would argue that you can't disciple somebody any more than you can Christian them, believer them. Here's why. Lean in now. This is really important, okay? If, if disciple is something that is done to you, a verb, then that puts the onus of responsibility on your spiritual formation on someone else, like your pastor, church, or mentor. You see that? If disciple is a verb, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be like, I'm not growing because nobody's teaching me. Nobody's doing anything for me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody's discipling me. And John Mark Comer is saying, do you understand? You're either a disciple or you're not. You're either a learner or you're not. You're either an apprentice of Jesus or you're not. But look what he sounds. If disciple is a noun, if it is someone you are or are not, then no one can disciple you but Rabbi Jesus himself. You must choose to accept Jesus' invitation to a life of apprenticeship. Here's, this is not semantics. Here's why I'm, I'm making this. I'm trying to drive this home to you, okay? If you want to sit with me and me disciple you, that's fine. But Jesus gave you this. Why, why would you want to hear a sermon from me? Eric, No. When you can hear a sermon from Jesus Christ in this, and he's saying, I will disciple you. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you want any other human on planet earth to disciple you when Jesus Christ himself is discipling you right now by giving you these words? Not only has he given you these words, he gave you something that lives inside of you. His name is the Holy Spirit. And he's a teacher. He's a counselor. He teaches you all the time. And you're like, no one is discipling me. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of my son. My son Josiah, man, like in my most patient moments, I, I respond to him with kindness and I'm like, okay, like let's walk through this together. But in my most impatient moments, I, 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 I flip out. And one of the things that my son comes to me all the time, he says this phrase to me. He's like, daddy, I'm bored. And again, in my most patient moments, I'm like, okay, let me walk you through this. Let me teach you. But in my most impatient moments, I flip out. I'm like, I'm like, boy, do you understand what you have? I'm like, Dude, you're bored. You have, like, we literally have stacks of paper, markers, crayons. You could draw. We have books galore. I mean, Jessica's uh, family members donated, like, hundreds and hundreds of children's books to us. So our library is full of them. You have books you could read. We have toys galore. We have a little, uh, uh, like, this little car that's battery-powered that he could drive around our neighborhood. We have a playground that is in crawling distance, not walking, crawling distance to our house. People think we own that playground. We don't. That's the city, and, uh, city of Bothell owns that. But we can crawl to that playground. He has a bike that grandma bought him, brand new bike that's worth like $350. He has a scooter. And I'm like, you're bored? You're bored, bro? That's your fault. That's your fault. I'm not being discipled. No one's discipling me. What do you think Jesus did here? What do you think Jesus did when he died upon a cross? He gave you his blood. He gave you his Holy Spirit. He ascended into heaven. He said, I'm sending someone that's even better than me. And no one's discipling me. You have to change your heart posture, church. What's the posture of your heart? Do you come to this and say, Jesus, teach me. I'm your disciple. Teach me. You're my master. Or do you come to the Bible saying, I already know. In fact, uh, you know, uh, right now what's on my mind is uh, my job is on my mind. You know, whatever my, my co you know, all of this stuff is on my mind. Why don't you teach me about that stuff instead of allowing the scripture's agenda to drive your agenda, to make what Jesus thinks important in, in your life, to make that important? How do you come to scripture? Do you come it with a humble heart, ready to learn, a disciple, or do you come to the scriptures with pride and arrogance? This is what the four souls are all about. 
There's nothing dysfunctional about the seed. There's nothing, some, there's nothing dysfunctional about the word of God. What's dysfunctional in that parable are the soils. And those soils represent our hearts. Friends, as we make this journey, I want to invite you. No one's going to force you. No one's going to strong arm you. Jesus is inviting you. And I'm inviting you to a journey of eating this book together as a community that we might learn from our master. The senior pastor of this church is Jesus Christ. Let's learn from him. And let's see what he has to say to us. Because when he speaks, friends, he will speak love. He will speak truth. But he'll also call you to deny yourself, to pick up your cross, and to follow after him. Amen. Let's pray.